Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. Amen. You know, uh, I have a, a tendency to go back in my memory like all of us do and think about things that happened in my past and experiences that I had and you know, thinking about Easter and um, Paris was mentioning earlier about our first Easter as Christians and you know we were newly married, newly in Bible school and all the way over in California, thousands of miles away. And I remember, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a reader and I, I remember going through that first Easter season reading all the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there was something in it, something in those accounts that I found quite disturbing. And I, it took me a while to sort it out. I was wondering why with, you know, the, the women came that morning to the garden tomb. And they found, of course, the stone had been rolled away supernaturally. It had been sealed by the Romans. Impossible for it to be rolled away, but it was. The soldiers had passed out and then ran for their lives. And the, 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 the ladies that came to the tomb that morning were greeted by angels. And they ran to tell the, the apostles what they had seen and what they had heard. But even with the rolling away of the stone, the empty tomb, and the appearance of angels, they weren't sure what had happened. The disciples still weren't sure what had happened. They hoped... You know, it says that John believed. It didn't say that about the rest of them, but they they hoped it was true. They'd heard his words that it was true and they they hoped that he was alive, but they really didn't know what that would mean. And that night, that first night, that first Easter Sunday, they gathered together. Actually, there was only ten of them. If you read it closely, Judas had already committed suicide and Thomas was nowhere to be found. And there was ten they gathered together in that in that place, that gathering place. And it says that the windows were shut, the doors were locked, they were huddled. Well, the reason that they were like that is because they were afraid they were going to get the same treatment that their master had gotten. They thought they were going to get arrested. Maybe they'd be crucified next. They didn't know about these rumors of resurrection and what that all meant. But that's the night that everything changed for them. The reason everything changed for them because as they were sitting there discussing only the Lord knows what they were discussing, suddenly Jesus of Nazareth in His physical resurrected body walked right through the wall and into the room. He wasn't a ghost. He had flesh and bone. They touched Him. But somehow His resurrected body just trans went right through the wall and was right there in the midst of Him. And there He was. And He looked at Him. And he said, he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he said something else to him. It says he breathed on them. It was reminiscent of the, that first creation when the Father created Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. Jesus breathed on these ten followers. Ten of his followers. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And resurrection life entered into them. They experienced the life of God in their soul. Something supernatural happened that day to these ten men when Jesus walked into their room. You know, you could go through the stories and the same with Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was one of the... If you read all the accounts, she was one of the two ladies that showed up at the tomb that early morning going to anoint His body. And when they got there, 
the stone had been rolled away. An angel in one of the accounts says was sitting on top of the on top of the rock. He looked like lightning, it says. And he told them, He's not here, he's risen. Go and tell his disciples. He's going to meet him in Galilee. And they took off running for their lives. Told the disciples. And Mary came back with Peter and John that came running to the tomb. And Mary was out in the garden after seeing the empty tomb, after talking to the angels, Mary was out in the garden in depression, weeping and weeping and weeping, according to John's accounts. She didn't really believe the words of angels. And Jesus had told her she was going to be raised from the dead, but He was going to be raised from the dead, but she wasn't really sure about all of that and what He really meant by that. Some of the things that He seemed to teach to her seemed so obscure. And she was weeping and weeping. And there was a guy standing there in the garden and it says in John that she thought it was the gardener. She didn't recognize Him. And then this gardener person spoke to her. He said, Mary... And she recognized his unmistakable voice. Mary spoke to him, to her. I mean, Jesus spoke to Mary. And she was stricken in her heart. And she said, Rabbi. And, and the Lord spoke to her and said that I'm, I have to ascend. Don't, don't hold on to me. I've got to go to my father and your father. Go tell my brothers and your brothers. He, he was telling them that they were brothers now, that they were, they were in the family now. Redemption had taken place. But that moment of moments, what changed for Mary? She had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. It's the same thing that happened to the disciples. Someone else's testimony and someone else's words, even the words of angels, weren't good enough for her or for them. They had to taste and see for themselves. And of course, there's the, the classic story of Thomas. Thomas, we only know Thomas. The only thing we know about Thomas is he's, what, doubting Thomas, right? And remember what he said after he, the, the disciples came to him after that first Easter Sunday night and they told them, told Thomas what had happened that night. You should have been with this, Thomas. I don't know why you didn't come. We asked you to come. Why didn't you come with this? You, you, you're not going to believe what happened. We were there. We were talking and Jesus came walking into the room. We saw Him for ourselves. And he breathed on us and something, something changed inside of us. And Thomas told him, he says, I'm not going to believe it unless I see him for myself and I put my hands in his nail prints. Well, they went back again the next week and guess what? Jesus showed up again. This time he, he called Thomas out and he said, Thomas, touch me and see that I'm flesh and bone. Put your hand in my nail prints and put your hand on my side where I was pierced. You know, obviously, the resurrected, glorified body still has the marks of redemption. Still has the holes. Still has the scar. Still has that side where he says he could put his hand in his side. Still has the holes in his head. Even though he's glorified, he bears the marks of redemption in his human glorified body. Well, Thomas believed that day. As a matter of fact, if you believe his history... Thomas apparently ended up preaching the gospel as far away as India in his lifetime and was martyred for Christ. Yeah, that night changed Thomas's life. Encounters always do. And you know, the, the, another famous encounter that has to come into my mind, I'm sure it comes into everyone's mind, the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. This guy was probably close to Jesus' age. He was a young Pharisee and he was... He was 
climbing the ladder. He was doing everything he could to get to the top of his world. He was an academic. He had studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He was smart. He was very studied. He well, well read. He understood the Bible. But he hated this Nazarene sect. He hated the stories about Jesus of Nazareth. He hated the stories about the miracles. He hated the story about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And he especially hated the story that the disciples were spreading that Jesus was no longer dead, but He was alive. And Saul of Tarsus was doing everything he can to stop it. He was responsible for the death of the first martyr, Stephen, because of Saul of Tarsus. He persecuted and scattered the church in those first few years. And then he went to as far away as to Syria, into Damascus in Syria to, to try to stop the, the Jesus sect that had broken out in Damascus, Syria. He was on his way there. And as the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, he was on the road to Damascus. And suddenly he had a divine encounter. If you read it closely, Jesus of Nazareth, not a vision, but Jesus, the resurrected, glorified Son of God showed up on the Damascus road. Saul took one look and he was undone. He was on the ground. His eyes blinded out. But he saw Jesus for himself. Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, became a witness of the resurrected Jesus of Nazareth and became a loyal apostle until the day he was executed. Of course, what changed all of these lives? The apostles... Thomas, Mary Magdalene, and the Apostle Paul. What changed their lives? It was an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, today you might think, well, that's just great. I don't know if Jesus walking around in His glorified body here on earth today. What about me? Well, you know something? We have good news for you today. Because the very Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead the Spirit of Resurrection. The Resurrection Spirit is here on the earth. After all, it's why He died. I want to read a Scripture to you out of John chapter 16. And um, we, you know, we, we have to have an encounter for ourselves. But John said this, um, actually quoting Jesus in John 16, verse 15 and 16. Jesus said this actually the very night that He was arrested, just after He instituted the Last Supper and before he went to Gethsemane, he's teaching his disciples about the importance of the Holy Spirit. He told them that he was going to go away. He told them in my father's house are many mansions. He told them he was going to prepare a place for them. But he told them also, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Yeah, I'm not going to leave you alone. He's going to come. The paraclete, the friend, the intercessor, the advocate, the comforter. He's going to come. He's going to come and he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to come and He's going to empower you. He's going to come and you're going to do the things that I've done. It's that Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit that entered into the dead body of Jesus and raised Him up from the dead, the Bible says. That same Spirit was poured out when Jesus took His place at the right hand of glory and is being poured out on the earth today. And when you open your heart to Christ and drink in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you too will have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it says in John 16. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to Me. Now that's a pretty powerful statement. Everything that belongs to the Heavenly Father belongs to Me. The first person of the Godhead, the Father, 
the second person of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me, Jesus said. Then he goes on to say, that's why I say that the divine encourager, the Holy Spirit, will receive what is mine. He will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while, you will see me in a whole new way. He said, you're going to see me in a whole new way. You're going to, yeah, you're going to see me, not with these physical eyes, like you have these last three years, when you watch me perform miracles and move in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see me with the eyes of your spirit. Something supernatural is going to get inside of you and get on you. It's the resurrection spirit of Jesus of Nazareth. You and I need an encounter with God. You know, right now, maybe, maybe you feel like these disciples that night. You, you hope it's true. You, you, you believe in the resurrection, but you're still huddled in fear. Afraid of what tomorrow's gonna hold. Afraid if you're gonna lose your job. Afraid if you're gonna have money. Afraid if you're gonna get sick. Afraid if, if, if you're ever gonna be able to go to church again. Fears out the, out of, just beyond compare. Out there. But you know what? You know what ends all the fears and changes the atmosphere? When He walks into the room, everything changes. Yeah, you know why? Because resurrection life enters into the room. Resurrection life. The resurrection power. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to read a couple of Scriptures to you about this resurrection of Jesus. You know, if you need these, these notes are going to be posted on probably on New Version and on our website. So if you want to check these out, I'm not going to be able to read all of, the, all of these Scriptures that I have for you about the resurrection. But I'll read a couple of them. You know, the, when we begin to experience the Holy Spirit for ourselves, the resurrection life of Christ enters into us. Just like He breathed into His disciples. And just like that 40 days later when they were gathered together in the upper room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the breath, the ruach, the pneuma, the wind of God came and entered into their lives and empowered them. That same wind, that same breath, that same intimacy of, the, of God the Holy Ghost comes on us. And just like those disciples in that gathered and huddled in that room when Jesus walked in the room, it can be just that significant and that real when the Holy Spirit moves into the room and He changes the atmosphere. Suddenly, your world changes. Suddenly, there's no longer hoping and, and trying to believe. Suddenly, it's real to you and you know that He's here, that He's in you, and that He's alive from the dead. Resurrection life is part of all you do. We're affected by the resurrection. It says in Romans 1.4, He was declared to be the Son of God when He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gets on us and in us and gives us a glimpse of who He is. And we have to say, yes, like the Roman centurion said at Calvary, yes, this is the Son of God. He's alive. And He's ruling the universe. The revelation of Christ. His resurrection. His resurrection causes us to be born again. This is how Peter said it in 1 Peter 1.3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live. You know something? When, when Christ was raised from the dead, it said 
that my sins had been forgiven, that His sacrifice had been accepted. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it gave me access into my Father's presence. When Jesus was raised from the dead, His Spirit was able to enter into my life just like He did to the disciples on that Easter Sunday night. He breathed into them and they breathed the breath of life. And yes, Peter was thinking of that night when he wrote these words. I was born again. He breathed on me. Life entered into my belly. I was no longer ashamed of Him. I was no longer in fear. Christ was in me now. And I've been changed. We're born again by the resurrection power of Jesus of Nazareth. His resurrection empowers us to bear fruit. Romans 7.4 He's the one who was raised from the dead so that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. We have a different kind of life now. Oh yeah, Christ is in us. Christ is living inside of us. He's actually in our body. This isn't just a nice doctrine, a philosophy that we have. Christ is literally inside of us. As we press into Him, as we soak in His presence and allow Him to take over our lives, as we begin to practice what John the Baptist said, I decrease and He increases, Christ begins to bear fruit in us. He begins to live in us. He begins to live a holy life in us. He begins to live a life free of addictions and sinful pleasures inside of us. He begins to live a, a life of power and of passion and of love. He begins to love through us. He begins to believe through us. He begins to worship through us. He begins to make disciples through us. He begins to preach through us. We bear fruits. Resurrection life is in all we do. This resurrection power affects our physical bodies. How can it not? It affected His physical body, didn't it? Jesus was dead. He wasn't symbolically dead he was dead dead. He was beat beyond recognition. He was given a death sentence before they gave Him a death sentence. They beat Him beyond recognition. Most died with that kind of punishment. He carried His cross and then He suffered and died. And if that wasn't enough, they shoved a spear through His sides. He was dead. He was in the grave. His body was lifeless and cold for three days. But the Holy Spirit, the resurrection Spirit, entered into His dead body and raised Him up from the grave. This is what Paul said. If the same Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about that for a minute. The same Spirit that entered the dead body of Jesus entered into my dead body when I was dead in my transgressions and in my sins. His Spirit entered into Christ's dead body. His Spirit entered into my dead body and made it come alive. He awakened my spirit. He awakened my soul. And according to this verse, if He dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells inside of you. Yeah, His Anointing affects our physical body. He affects us. Oh yeah, this, this is one of the most powerful healing verses in the Bible. The Spirit of God. You think chemo can kill cancer. The anointing kills cancer. The anointing kills viruses. The anointing kills diseases. 
The anointing is more powerful than, than any weapon that's formed against us. The anointing is more powerful than any sickness, any demonic plague. The anointing of Jesus Christ is our protection, is our health, and is our healer. The same Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead dwells in us and quickens our body. Another verse, Romans 8.34. Paul says, Who then is left to condemn us? If we're going through stuff, and he was talking about being, being persecuted to the point of death. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the Anointed One. For He gave His life for us. Even more than that. He has conquered death. And He's now risen, exalted, enthroned by God at His right hand. So how could He possibly condemn us since He continually, He lives continually praying for us in triumph? What Paul is saying is Jesus is resurrected, ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's our mediator. Right now, if you were able to split the sky, split this earthly dimension and move into the heavenly dimension like John did when he was on the Isle of Patmos, if you were caught up into the heavens and caught up into the throne room of God, you'd see on the throne the man, Jesus of Nazareth. This ascended, glorified man. And He's there. He's there. Paul said He's our, our heavenly mediator. He stands between us and the Father. He's our representative before the Father. He represents me before the Father. The Father looks to see if He can find me and all He can see is Jesus. He's my mediator. He's my intercessor. He's praying for me. He knows my weaknesses. He knows what's coming my way. And this Jesus of Nazareth is praying for me, risen from the dead. This Jesus, this Holy One, seated at the right hand of God, He is my heavenly baptizer. He baptizes me every day, every day, every day. Flowing out from Him on His throne, John said, is a river. The river of the Holy Spirit. I can drink Him in. I can drink in His presence and be filled and satisfied to overflowing. The last verse I wanted to read to you is from Ephesians. This is so powerful. I've actually taught about this Wednesday night, but this is what Paul said about the resurrection power of Jesus. He says, I pray, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Then your th- this is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. The power that raised Christ from the dead is now in us. It's for us and it's working through us. You know, just before we started the service today, our pastors were talking, and actually, Pastor Karen mentioned how um, Pastor Karen and Pastor Chris were talking about a, a statement that was made in some movie about awakening the giant of America in World War II. And they said, you know, what's happening right now is the, the sleeping giant called the church is waking up. It's about to become the church. There's more power in us than we can even know. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, ready to be released on this earth. Maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is what it took to lock us away where we could say, Lord God, restore us. Restore us to our family. Restore us to our community. Restore us to our church. That we could see the emptiness of the world without Christ. 
This world is empty. It's lonely. It's miserable. Without Christ, it is absolutely hopeless. All they have to trust in is scientists and doctors who really at the end of the day have no clue what's going on. You know what? We have a God who loves us, who cares for us, who protects us, who empowers us. It's time for Him to walk into the room in your life. We're going to have communion this morning. And um, I'm just expecting the Lord to show up in a major way in your life and in my life. We need more. You know, we're, we're grateful for what He is and what He's done, but we need more. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, I thank You for the Victory family. Lord Jesus, I pray for every family, every single person and every family unit that's part of this Victory Church. Lord, let Your hand come mightily upon their lives. Open their hearts to receive Your unction, the unction of the Holy Spirit. Pour out Your anointing, Lord, upon their house, upon their family. Walk into the room, Lord Jesus. Walk into the room. Bring transformation and bring change. You know, maybe you're not certain about your spiritual condition today. You're not certain about where you stand with God. You know, we're, we're on the edge of eternity. We're on, right on the edge of eternity. We, we have no idea what tomorrow holds. And we're right at the edge of what's going to last forever. I guess you have to answer the question for yourself. Are you ready for what's next? Are you ready for the next life? Are you ready for what happens when this life is over? You can be. Open your hearts. I'm begging you today. Open your heart to Jesus. If you're not certain about your spiritual condition, open your heart to Jesus. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Let Him come into your life today. Pray with me. Pray with me right now. If you're not certain about your spiritual condition, right now, open your hearts and let Jesus come in. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You that Your Son became one of us, became a man, Jesus of Nazareth. He walked this earth. He suffered and died in my place. Lord Jesus, wash my sins away. Cleanse me now. Come into my life. I thank You, Lord, that You died for me and You were raised from the dead for me. I thank You, Lord, for a brand new life. Fill me now with Your love. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Let somebody know today that, that you opened your life to Jesus. Text us. Message us on Facebook or on YouTube. Message us and we'll get back with you. We'll send you a gift. A book that I wrote about salvation. I believe the Lord is doing something fresh and new today in your life. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.